Good afternoon and welcome to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Chad Moyer. Today we're going to be visiting with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, Advisors Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, Sean, thanks for visiting with us here today. Let's take a, a quick look, first of all, at how the uh, markets closed out the day here today. Kind of a mixed day again, a little weaker in corn, down a penny or two. We've got soybeans showing strength for the second day in the row, up about a dime and just a little lower on wheat futures, Kansas City. First of all, Sean, uh, Sean, just give you kind of your assessment. What what does the grain trade look like for a Tuesday in your mind? Well, I kind of think, you know, we, we're, we're now moving away from what crop size is the U.S. going to be, you know, how is harvest progressing. I think we're now moving towards South American progress. Um, and so we're in that transition phase. And when you're in that transition phase, the markets tend to get quiet. They tend to get two-sided um, and kind of move sideways for a while until we get some direction on what kind of acres and what kind of weather pattern are we going to be seeing in South America because obviously especially Brazil you know, they're becoming such a big player what happens in Brazil no longer stays in Brazil all right. Well, let's kind of pick apart on each one of these. And I guess we can maybe start with soybeans. Like I say, it was a, a second day in a row where we saw at least soybeans higher. A uh, big strength yesterday in oil. We kind of gave back some of that here today. Uh, can you give us just a little thought? Uh, what, what's going on in, in soybeans here? And I guess can, uh, two days in a row of a little bit of strength for the beans. Well, I mean, if you if one agrees with the USDA assessment, we really have bare minimum pipeline levels in the U.S. come next summer, um, which means, you know, we're right on the edge if there's some estimates that are wrong about demand, um, which once again brings South American weather, especially Brazilian weather, even more into the forefront because that's the crop in Brazil that gets this, uh, that the weather impacts first. And remember, last year Argentina had half crop. So their bean meal and their bean oil supplies for export, they're the largest in both, are very, very low right now. And so that gives impetus for the components of the soybean complex start showing some upside potential when we're on the, on the ether side of the low end of U.S. ending stocks expectations. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, here in the U.S., the the harvest continues, uh, 62% done as of Sunday. But you mentioned South America. Could you just give a little uh, insight? What have you heard about uh, the ability to to get things planted in in South America? Because it sounds like a again, it's a you've got some areas that have moisture and other areas that don't, huh? Yeah. I mean, I would say the center south. Obviously, they're getting plenty of rain. In some cases, they're actually getting too much rain, which is actually kind of holding up and delaying things but the area that i'm most concerned about is the center north and the center west brazil grain belt they've been extremely dry many instances record hot temperatures they're behind on their planting and even the the acres that are getting in the ground they're not getting in the ground with very with very good soil subsoil moisture which means that the 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 the, the the establishment of the crop is going to be subpar. Um, and so that's something to keep paying attention to because we think our weather work suggests that drought risks are extremely high for the northern half of Brazil this coming growing season. And if we're correct about that, the big crops that have they've had the last couple of years you know, may give way to a big surprise. 
Yeah. Uh, Sean, um, we, we talked about the logistics and we see what a drought does to river levels here in the United States with the Mississippi uh, and starting to hear about the same thing happening in, in some river areas in, in Brazil. Is that a, a big enough concern for you? Is this a, a storyline we should be paying attention to? Well, we should be paying attention to it, uh, not only because obviously it increases the cost for Brazilian uh, producers to get their crop out to marketplace hurting their profits. Um, but if we're correct about this uh, escalating drought that could be very, very serious, this is not going away anytime soon. And they may be in a situation where a lot of their supplies that the market's expecting to get out and, and be sold in the marketplace may be delayed or maybe locked up for a while. And then that takes the, the what appears to be ample balance sheet supply globally and tightens it up considerably. And so that definitely is something that could help foster some better exports out of the U.S. Um, if we can get our river levels up a little bit, which it looks like we might be getting some rain here to do just that. Yeah, I, that was going to be my next question. It is in the rain in the center part of the U.S. Has that had a, a big enough impact? Is the Has enough water made it to the Missouri and the Mississippi to make a difference? Well, I mean, every bit helps. It, it's helping a little bit. Um, more is on the way, by the way. It looks to me if we get all the rain that is advertised over the next, let's say, two, three weeks, it will certainly make the situation better and we'll keep the it will keep the river flowing and keep the product flowing that's the most important thing right now we just don't want the river to be kind of locked down or shut down for for exports at a time that we might be able to gain advantage over south america all right uh, sean let's just shift our, our attention to wheat for just a moment here uh, before we wrap up the first segment uh, again not a whole lot of uh, news going on in here in wheat or at least a lot of movement just quickly what's the what's the latest on wheat well, I mean, we've, the wheat complex has dropped 60% from the highs from, that we had during the peak of the uh, Russia-Ukraine uh, you know, war that were, or you know, unrest that we had when we first started. Um, and so we're actually starting to see, for SRW wheat, for example, we're actually starting to see some very strong uh, exports of demand coming for U.S. wheat. That's the first sign we've seen uh, better exports coming out of the U.S. wheat. We're saying we're finally competitively priced with the rest of the market, and that's usually when a market digs its heels in and begins to settle low. Everywhere in the world, they've had a, a drier start to the winter wheat planting season than would have been ideally expected. That means we're going to dormancy with some unfavorable conditions for the first time in about three or four years. That all says to me, you know, the risk reward at this point would point to possibly some upward pressure on prices as we kind of dial in a tighter market than we've been trading for a while. Coming up, the second half of the channel final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. 
Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. To the KRBN. channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chad Moyer, joined once again by Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors in uh, Florida. Uh, let's uh, continue our conversation on wheat. Uh, you know, you said there's been a little interest in, in U.S. wheat. I guess, uh, in, in your mind, how does this play out? How do we see more demand for U.S. wheat, even though, uh, you know, the production just isn't what it is, continues to go down? How do, how do you see that kind of playing out in your mind, uh, uh, Sean? Well, we price ourselves, as I said in the first part of the show, competitively at what we're now getting. This, in fact, China is buying SRW wheat. They rarely do that in large quantities, which they've been doing. So it's telling you we are inc- we're competitive. We can move some supply. And remember, Argentina having another very poor wheat crop from drought. Australia having a very poor wheat crop due to drought. So the Southern Hemisphere is not going to come in and provide any reprieve from them selling large exports to the rest of the world. So at this point, I think we just need to move some product out of our uh, of our bins and start tightening up that balance sheet with some better demand, and we're starting to see that. What about world wheat production? I'm starting to read, you know, we talked about Brazil in the first half, too, or, or South America, uh, Argentina, and, and I think the, the drought is continuing in Australia. Um, are, are we starting to see some thoughts or ideas, maybe that world wheat supplies are going to come down? Maybe we got to put some weather premium in that? I think so. I mean, what we, we know the Southern Hemisphere wheat production is going to be way down. We know that Russia, Ukraine had a very, very dry uh, planting season. We know that um, half of the European wheat crop got in, had a very, very dry planting season, as well as the SRW areas of the U.S. So a lot of crops going in the ground, not in ideal conditions, and go, we're going into dormancy with a much colder winter, according to our uh, forecast, which means that the potential for greater winter kill this winter when you have poor stands and in poor conditions going to dormancy leaves the crop for some upside potential to put some weather premium back on after essentially you know putting this market down month after month after month for a long period of time with excess supply all right that's kind of the wheat discussion how about corn let's finish out on corn here uh what, what are your thoughts again not a tremendous amount of movement two days been pretty quiet uh what are the storylines in corn sean storylines for me is that it looks like China had a very poor corn crop due to excessive flooding. Um, looks to me that when we look at South American weather, especially Mato Grosso, where they grow 70% of their second crop corn for Brazil, we're looking at drought risks. And this El Nino, which is peaking here late this year, is expected to go back into a La Nina next summer. And that means hot, dry weather coming back um, and another potential challenging year for crop yields to come in below trend. We've had three years in a row below trend line crop yields. It looks to me like we could have a fourth. And that says to me that the balance sheet for corn is going to tighten up considerably um, as we go forward. What are your thoughts on, on production so far? I mean, uh, here in the U.S., soybeans been all over the board. I guess in the Western Corn Belt, it's kind of you know, a little disappointing, maybe better than expected, still disappointing. As the corn comes out, what are you hearing on that front? Yeah, it's extremely variable crop. You know, when you have a variable crop, we may not get the truth on that until J- January. It may be until the quarterly rain stocks report in June. My best guess is that actual crop yields, when it's all said and done um, for both soybeans and corn, are probably going to be 
marginally slightly lower than what the USDA said in October, but not statistically. So I think we pretty much have our crop size fairly well intact at this point. Okay. Uh, switch, switching over to the mercantile here right quick. It was uh, slightly positive for the cattle futures. We ended just a little lower in the hogs, down about a dollar there. Uh, thoughts on the meat markets in the, in the mercantile? Anything to follow there? Well, the uh, pork cutout price has collapsed to very, very low levels, which is not good, obviously. Um, and if we look at beef cutout prices, they've been declining now for about two months straight. The first two-month decline we've seen in over a year. It says there's something going on with the demand for meat uh, when, when both the, the cheap pork price and the expensive beef price are both seeing weakening uh, prices. Uh, the, you know, the demand side is not supporting um, the current levels of hog and cattle prices as we go into what's supposed to be the better demand part of the season. Until those cash prices turn around, it looks to me like both those markets are going to continue to be on the defensive. 30 seconds as we wrap up. What are the keys for trade in the rest of the week? I think we have to get a handle around what's actually going to go on with the Middle East. That has a lot to do with sentiment for crude oil, energy, the dollar, interest rates. Really got to figure out if this is going to escalate or de-escalate. Um, and secondly, we just need to really keep watching North uh, South American weather. Uh, this dryness is starting to become an issue, and I think the market can work for a little while, but not for too much longer. Sean, it's always great to have you on the program. Thank you for your thoughts and your insight. Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, Boca Raton, Florida, 561-573-3766, the phone number. Do remember, trading of commodity futures does involve substantial risk of loss, might not be suitable for all investors. That is the Channel Final Bell. It's brought to you by Channel and your local dealers. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. It's 